0: We are continuing, or oh, actually not continuing, this is the first week of a sermon series called I Am. In the book of John, Jesus gives several I Am statements, and so what we're going to do between now and Easter is we're going to walk through each of these I Am statements, because as the psalm says, this is Jesus in his own words. Who better to describe Jesus than Jesus himself? So where are we going? We're going to go with the bread of life today. And you can see all the rest of the things that Jesus said, I am. Why is this significant? Because if we don't know Jesus, and I mean know with our hearts, that we don't really know Jesus. In other words, it's one thing to know intellectually. It's one thing to be able to quote scripture. It's an entirely different thing to be able to live scripture. And that's what we're about. We don't want to just quote. We don't want to read. We don't want to know facts. We want to live the faith that Christ has given us. So hence the I am statements, and we'll walk through all of these. And I want to start with the question, since we're talking about the bread of life this morning, how many of you have ever really been hungry? And I mean really hungry. That's what I thought. We live in North America, it was like, i hungry, Well, yeah, I walked down to the store and I get something to eat. Well, let me tell you about a time that I was really hungry. Most of you know that I was an Air Force pilot for 21 years, and as a part of that process, uh you get to go to this cool thing called Air Force Survival School. It's one of those things that you're really glad you went to. And I mean that in past tense. <laughs> right? So it's it's very inane at first. You go in, you get seven uh seven days, one week of classroom instruction. And i have heard all these horror stories and I get there, like, this isn't so bad. This is... I got coffee, I'm watching you with this, identifying plants that you can eat. how to set snares, you know, how to set up a shelter, how to buy it, you know, build a fire. Like, I'm an Eagle Scout, this is nothing. And at one part, they started talking about, uh, you know, when you're on the move, when you're trying to evade, it's not always easy to find what you need, so you might have to improvise. And there's all kinds of things that you can eat. Uh, you can eat grasshoppers. You can eat ants. You can eat grubs. You can, uh, should I go on? <laughs> Anybody about to break into the food in the chairs? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, it will be a cold day, and you know where, before I eat a grasshopper. And then they take you out into the woods, and you spend seven days in the woods, and they don't give you food. They give you like two little bars. Back in the day, it was like, I'm not making this up. It was like a bar of soap-sized, and it tasted like someone took a bunch of sawdust and compressed it together, and sucked all the water out. I I, I promise you, as soon as you took a bite of that, it crumbled in your mouth, you felt like you are eating sawdust. Any water that was in your body just went (laughs) And you're already instantly dehydrated, right? So you're out there seven days, you're practicing all the things that they talked about in the classroom. I'm still thinking, this isn't so bad. I mean, you know, I camped out a lot, no problem. Let me tell you, on day three, I started dreaming about food. I've never dreamed about food in my life, but I did that. On day four, grasshoppers started looking pretty good. On day five, I went over the abyss. (laughs) Did you know? Just in case you need, grasshoppers are dormant in the morning when it's cool. They're easier to catch. Did you know that when you go to get one, you need to pull off those big back legs? Because I mean, think about it. If a giant came up and picked you up and tried to swallow you, you'd probably go. <laughs> right? You don't want that happening on the way down. So you got to take out those legs. For free. And I could tell you all kinds of other things, but I'm going to stop because I can feel some of you are like, eh, that's, uh, that's too far. let's just say you can do anything if you get hungry enough you'll eat it or you'll die I mean those are your choices right they do this to you on purpose because they want you to get over the food aversions early so yeah if you ever want to know what grasshopper tastes like it tastes like chicken that's what they said everything what does that taste like it tastes like chicken what does this taste like it tastes like chicken I'm like well then what does chicken taste like (laughs) because that's not the chicken I know anyway Colonel Sanders is part of the Anyway, so uh, my point be, if you get hungry enough, you will do anything to satisfy that hunger. Now, I mentioned earlier that we don't have a lot of physical hunger, and we just talked about, ironically, faithful kids, but here's what I do see all around us, right here, all around the world, and it's spiritual hunger. And spiritual hunger is a whole different thing. See, we're wired to be satisfied spiritually. That's the way God made us. But because of the fallen world that we live in, We tend to live in the physical, the temporal, the very temporary things. And so we seek satisfaction in temporary things, but we're wired for eternal things. Can you see the setup for failure here? And so you may not be aware of spiritual hunger, but I guarantee you've seen the effects of it. Spiritual hunger begins insidiously, but it begins to affect our relationships. It begins to affect our relationships with people, our relationships with things, our relationships to the world. And spiritual hunger will often evidence itself in various ways. This is a couple arguing. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people as a couple argue? I mean, like this morning on the way to church, right? <laughs> I'm not going to make sense, right? But here's the thing. We often think it's just about me. I got to get my way or I got to, I got to win this argument, but it's not. Our sin is never just about us because there are people watching. People are going to be affected by this. We can't treat it lightly. We need spiritual satisfaction. Spiritual fulfillment. We need to quench spiritual hunger. So how do we do this? Well, uh, ironically, we're talking about the bread of life today. And we're going to talk about John 6, 29 through 40. So if you're playing the whole game, you want to open up John chapter 6. We'll be in, uh, crawling around there a little bit, but as we get ready to read these words, understand we're going to be looking for some definitions, we're going to talk about a situation, and then we're going to conclude with an invitation. So if you're from Louisiana and you speak Cajun, that's definition, situation, and invitation. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, and I promise it'll never happen to me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you from Louisiana? score, yes, every once in a while I connect, even a lung girl finds another once in a while alright, so as we prepare to read this, let me set the stage for you, Uh, Jesus has been doing some incredible things, he has just completed feeding the 5,000 if you're not familiar, there was this whole crowd of 5,000 people, there was this little boy five loaves, two fish, you may have heard about this, Jesus takes it, blesses it, everybody eats, they have 12 baskets left over, and people are amazed and then Jesus and his disciples go across the pond, and they're they're getting away from this tremendous crowd And they're going out to minister somewhere else But this crowd is curious They wake up and go, where's Jesus? And they follow him Have you ever been stalked by 5,000 people? Jesus was And so they, they find him again And then they have some questions for him So they, he just fit the 5,000 They're asking him about hey, uh, What about this uh, This thing that our ancestors did So this is where We pick up and they're asking him, what must we do to do the works that God requires, that God requires? So here's where we pick up our text. Jesus answered them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me. Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up at that last day for my Father's will, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. These are the words of God. They are for the people of God. And for these words we are grateful. Is that not good news? Is that not the best news that you've ever heard? He's going to lose none. He's going to feed us always this bread of life that gives life. Now, every once in a while, I I try not to be too geeky about this, but every once in a while you've got to dive into the Greek. Because the Greek has a better way of communicating than our English does. And so when we talk about this bread of life, what is the life that we're talking about? We sang about life earlier. This is the breath in our lungs. Uh, the, our breath in our lungs praises you. <clears throat> but there's actually two definitions of life in the Greek. And, and by the way, when you say Greek words in English, the O is not an O. It's an A. Ah. So you have to say bios. That makes you sound like a cool just so you know, right? So bios is physical basics, the breath in our lungs, we need to eat, we need to sleep, all those very basic needs. And then there's another term in Greek called Zoe. Zoe is vitality and fullness of life, and in the case of John specifically, he uses it in an eternal term. This is eternal life. Guess which one Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the bread of life? Zoe not talking about your basic needs. Yeah, those are important. you got to sustain that to have a body that works. But Jesus brings something far greater than just existence. And that's the point I want to make. If you look at these numbers, bios is used 10 times in the New Testament. Zoe is used 135. That gives you some emphasis on where Jesus is focused. And so we've got to get those definitions straight. Because as we talk about all this life stuff and this bread of life we're not talking about just existing. We're talking about vitality. We're talking about life in Christ. We're talking about life that never ends. That's the life that Jesus offers. The situation that they're recalling is, "Hey, you know, back in the day when we were slaves, and then God freed us, and back when we were slaves, we had plenty to eat. Now we're going into the wilderness. Where are we going to get our food? Because last time I checked, there's no Uber, there's no Grubhub, there's no subway on the corner." We're in a desert. How are we going to eat? In fact, they start grumbling and complaining pretty quick. And God provided manna, bread from heaven. That's the way that works. And so they said, look, the ancestors of Moses provided God the bread from heaven. What sign are you going to do? Because you just said us 5,000 of the bread. And we followed you here because we're expecting 5,000 more. So bring the bread. And Jesus says, uh, I don't think you understand. This isn't about me feeding you physically. This is about me feeding you spiritually. In fact, if you continue to read on to the rest of the chapter there in, in John 6, you will see that as Jesus begins to explain, he's not just about there, he's not just a, you don't have to work and come and sit and eat all the time kind of guy. He's like, I want to transform your life. I want you to believe in me. And when you believe in me, you will do the things that I say that we should do. And for some of them, that was just too hard. And that's where you read in John 6, 66, somebody knew what they were doing, that several disciples fell away because it was just too hard. In essence, Jesus is asking them, why are you following me? Why have you journeyed across this pond? Why are you here? Is it because you want bread? Literal bread? Or are you looking for transformation? Is following me too hard for you? And I can hear Jesus saying the same thing today. Are you following me? Are you just after material possessions? Are you just after the physical? Or are you after the transformation that comes when I live in your heart? Are you willing to give that to me so that I can work through you and we can do amazing things together? See, that's hard. It sounds easy, and it is easy. Just believe. But to live that is hard. It costs. It's demanding. It's not convenient. The answer to that spiritual hunger that manifests itself in so many other ways and so many challenges. And that's the invitation then that Jesus gives. It's like, why are you worried about all this other stuff? You read more in Matthew 6, and you'll learn uh, that, that in Matthew 6, not John 6, sorry. Read there, and he'll say, Look, all these things that you worry about, what you wear, what you eat, what you clothe with, don't worry about these things. What does he tell them? Seek first what? kingdom of God and all this other stuff is going to be taken care of. Fulfill the spirit and everything else will fall into place. Will it be what you want? Maybe, maybe not. Will it be what you need? And you bet. But you won't be spiritually hungry anymore. You won't feel that longing that drives you to do things. And you will do anything to satisfy that hunger that spiritual. You may not even know it. so let me ask this question. Is hunger really a bad thing? Actually, it's not. Hunger in itself is a good thing because physically, when you're hungry, it tells your body, hey, you need to eat. And so you won't eat. But what we don't recognize is the spiritual hunger. When we're spiritually hungry, we don't know what that is. And we'll attempt to find the answer in the physical, temporary world. I'm dissatisfied. So if I just had that relationship, everything would be cool. If I just had that job that gives me status, everything would be great. If I could just make this amount of money, I know I hate the job and I'm not really cut out for it, but I need this amount of money to feel good about myself. That's the the nature of what we will do to satisfy spiritual hunger. It's not what God calls us to, and it's not what God desires for us. Am I saying don't worry about anything physical? No, that would be foolish. <laughs> Let's be realistic. We have to take care of the basics. I, I firmly believe that the physical, the mental, the social, and the emotional are all tied together. I think you should work out. I think you should work out spiritually, too. I right? Don't neglect that. So hunger is not a bad thing. but We just don't always recognize that. So let me ask you... Think back to the last time you had an argument, whether it's with yourself, with God, or with your spouse, or your significant other. What was it that you argued about? For me, a lot of times, uh, the arguments come down to a lack of communication, or better said, that's not what I meant to say, but that's what you heard, in that boat? Yeah. Uh, I-, I always have this all logically laid out in my mind, and then it comes out totally wrong. That was not what I meant to say, but that's what came out. Jesus tells us where that comes from. A person speaks from the overflow of what? Their heart, not their stomach. Their heart is hungry, not their stomach. It's the heart that's hungry that's pouring out the stuff. A person speaks out of the overflow of their heart. So take care of the soul. Take care of the heart. And your words will be good. The other thing people fight about a lot is money. Uh, and if you're a married couple, there's other things you fight about that I'm not going to talk about. Because there's kids in the room, but you know what I'm talking about. But money, let's talk about that for a second. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Bread is the substance. Bread of life. Zoe, eternally. There will always be this bread. So why are you worried about provision? Why are you worried about finances when I own to cattle on a thousand hills? Do you think I can't provide? I can hear God saying it right now. God forgive me when I try to take over your job. Just let me trust. Let me have faith. Again, it sounds simple, and it is not. That's why we do this thing called faith together, so we can support one another. <clears throat> Alright, so when we come to uh, filling ourselves up, the thing I want to encourage us to not do is to go for spiritual junk food. Don't just occupy your time. Don't just occupy your mind with mindless stuff earlier about uh, you know you can find bad news on 136 channels it's amazing I-, I can go onto my phone right now and i can open up any of one of these apps and two hours later i'll go what just happened in my life there's two hours i'll never get back i don't even know where i've been you know important things like watching i don't know dogs on butter you know that's that's <laughs> soul satisfying stuff right there and no it's not but and i'm not i'm not little in you if you do it because I am chief among you I will tell you this but I'm working on it for Lent that's one of the things I'm working on let me ask you another question or show you another quote rather this is a quote by Lisa Turker she says this we consume what we think about and what we think about can consume us if we're not careful so words are let us be a people who consume God and in turn let us be consumed by God? What does it look like to consume God? How's your prayer life? How's your time in scripture? Are you talking about faith with significant others, with your family, with your kids? Are you part of a study group that goes deeper than just the surface level of a message? Are you taking time to meditate, to contemplate on the word of Jesus Christ? Is Jesus alive in your heart? Because if not, you're spiritually malnourished. You may even be spiritually starving and not know it. But here's the good news. Now that you know, you know what food to go after. And I don't care how many priorities there are in your life, there is one priority. By nature of the word, there can only be one. And it is to seek God. Seek the kingdom of God first. All those other things will be taken care of. So whatever excuses we have, whatever oh, it's, it's too late, it's too on uh, I'm too, um, Let's talk serious for a second. It's time to lay all that other junk aside. It's time to put God first. It's time to be spiritually nourished. What are you waiting for? There's opportunities all around us. And I would love to help you get plugged into that. So let me know how that you can how you can do that, how I can help you do that. Because words are here is my heart's desire for words are a nation. That we would consume God. And in turn, be consumed by God. And be free. Have have you ever been really, really hungry? Have you ever been really, really spiritually hungry? I've got some good news for you today. The bread of life offers you a satisfaction that this world can never give. And this world can never take away. God, thank you for the bread of life, your son, Jesus Christ. And as we approach this communion table, I pray that you would help us become aware of the tremendous gift that has been given and that we would never take this gift for granted. It's in Jesus' name.